What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Mafia Podcast, NBA edition. My name is Jordan Jica, a.k.a. Dr. Fantasy, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Caveman. Right now, we are in the middle of our mini-series where we are breaking down each and every team's 2019-2020 season and then previewing their upcoming off-season Today's episode is the episode that everybody has been waiting for. We mention this team in every single live, every single episode. We find a way to throw them under the bus. So today we're going to maybe say some positive things. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. One of the, I'd say, probably the most surprising team in the NBA this season. Had a very successful 2019-2020 season. They were 44-28 and on the year under head coach Billy Donovan, who is now gone. They were the fifth seed in the Western Conference, which is very impressive considering how deep the conference is. They took the Rockets to a seven-game series in round one. I think a lot of people didn't expect uh, that series to go that way. thought it was going to be an easy ride for the Rockets, but it did not turn out to be that way. One thing I do want to mention, I know a lot of people know I love my defense. The Thunder allowed the second fewest points in the entire Western Conference this year. So that was really the key to their successful season was a strong defensive presence and strong coaching from Billy Donovan. But let's go into their season leaders Their points leader on the year was Shai Gilgeous-Alexander with 19 points. Behind him, he had Dennis Schroeder at 18.9. Daniil Gallinari with 18.7 points. Chris Paul had a nice resurgent year at 34 years old, averaged 17.6 points per game and was really a key for this team the entire season. Steven Adams as well chipped in with 10.9 points. Rebound, Steven Adams led the way with 9.3 Shai Alexander actually was second with 5.9 from the two spot. Gallinari with 5.2. And Chris Paul with five rebounds average a game, which is kind of interesting. Assist leader was Chris Paul at 6.7. Have Dennis Schroeder behind him off of the bench with four assists. Steals-wise, no surprise, Chris Paul led the way with 1.6 steals. Shai at 1.1. Narelands Noel with one Block leader, Narelands Noel with one and a half, and Steven Adams with 1.1. Caveman, I'll kick it over to you. Anyone in particular that impressed you? Oh, uh, yeah, a couple of guys. And we'll, I have some notes. We got, they do have a head coach opening. We can get to that in a little bit here. Yep. Uh, uh, you mentioned him, his kind of his resurgence. That's Chris Paul. I mean, did, did anybody think Chris Paul had this much left in the tank at this point in his career? Like, he looked no. <laughs> like this one, this looked like 10 years ago, Chris Paul. And that was, that was great to see out of a guy. I mean, he's, he's been, he's one of the, I mean, maybe not an all time great point guard, but definitely one of the better. I mean, may, I mean, you could certainly have, maybe have him in that discussion, but. Certainly, when you talk about this generation, he's he's definitely one of the best. I mean, eighteen points, five rebounds, and uh, about almost seven assists is uh, is is something special for him at this point. And the the but the the tr- the troubling thing and kind of a little bit of controversy is that he made the All NBA second team this year. I mean, I mean, we we kind of 
I mean, we kind of touched on this back when we had our 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 when we talked about the all NBA teams, but uh, just quickly, is that did that did that surprise you a lot? I mean, it definitely it definitely surprised me when I saw like like he definitely deserves a lot of recognition for what he was able to do this season, but an all NBA second team. For him, uh, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I think the most surprising piece to that is the guard position is so deep in mm-hmm. today's NBA. And I mean, you got to consider he was ahead of Russell Westbrook, who was on the third team. So I mean, that's the surprising piece to me. Maybe if we were talking the set center position, you know, how many true centers are there in today's NBA? It wouldn't be surprising. But to see him at the guard position make a second team was surprising. But if anything, I think it was just a nod to the Thunder season as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the only recognition awards that the Thunder got. They had nobody in, on any of the all bubble teams i mean they were just a surprise so it's almost like a tip of your hat to the thunder and what they did this year yeah i mean it makes sense we can get to a little bit uh later too uh when we talk about they're possibly looking to trade him so we'll kind of see where that but another guy that you kind of mentioned he was their points leader and that was shy uh gilgis alexander i think uh the talk about chris paul again i think i'll a lot of how Shy was able to grow up this season, I think, was in part to Chris Paul. Kind of, I think that was kind of the Thunder's plan when they when they brought in Chris Paul as a kind of mentor, Shy around, and he, the the all the production they got from Paul was basically a bonus. But Shy was actually sixth in most improved voting, so he got a little a tiny bit of recognition there. Like he's at 19 points, six rebounds, three assists. And if the Thunder do indeed decide to go on the rebuild path, which seems like the path they're heading down at this point, I mean, to have a guy like Shy on your team to to help the, the start with the rebuild is a nice, kind of like a nice jump start. He kind of t- made that leap and uh, showed that he can really, you know, is he a one, is he a two? That's one of the more interesting things with him. He kind of, he's a bit taller for a, a guard. Uh, so we'll kind of, we'll have to see where he actually is going forward, especially if Chris Paul's not on the team. So, uh, but yeah, I'm very impressed with uh, Shy this year. And like, I'm interested to see where, how he can uh, continue going forward. Yeah, I mean, when they drafted Shy, he was a developmental prospect. I mean, this wasn't a guy. It was one of those guys you draft and you kind of hope for the best. And this is a team full of role players. And there's not many players that stood out. I mean, a guy like Dennis Schroeder, you know he's one of the best guards in the entire league off the bench. I mean, he did what you would expect him to do. Same with Steven Adams. I mean, he's getting paid way too much money, which we'll talk about. I mean, he's a solid starting center in this league, but he's just getting paid way too much money. money. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to their salary cap. But uh, (laughs) Shai, I mean, he's only 22 years old. He turned 22 uh, just in July, so it was during the season. So he's still really young, and he has more growth to do. But he took a huge jump this season. So if he continues to develop, I think he could turn into a very strong number two on a team. 
If you want to win a championship, I don't know if he's going to ever take that jump into superstardom. That'll be kind of fun to monitor, but anything's possible. He's still young enough. He still has some improvements to make. He's a good defender, and I think he's a really valuable piece to have. So uh, let's go into their depth chart here. We have Chris Paul at the one, and we've mentioned a lot of these names already. Dennis Schroeder behind him. At the two, we have Shy starting. Schroeder also backing him up as the primary two guard. Uh, you have Diallo, who was also there. He played some tough defensive minutes as well. At the three, you had Lugnitz Dort, who had a big playoff game and kind of had his moment to shine there. Kind of an under-the-radar player. I know we mentioned in a few lives that you're not going to make it very far in the playoffs when your three is Lugnitz Dort. But, I mean, he's still a really young player. He's only 21 years old right now. He's a very strong defender. I think he's at least a, a nice role player to have. I don't know if I'd want him playing, you know, 30 minutes on my team, but he's a strong role player. Uh, and that's kind of the theme here with the Thunder. Even behind him, you have Terrence Ferguson, Andre Roberson. I mean, just strong defenders, good role players. Uh, Gallinari at the four, and we'll talk about him more when we get to the uh, the free agents here. But he uh, he's a big name to monitor heading into this offseason. And they just have more youth and more role guys behind him. Darius Basley, who played almost 20 minutes a game. Young guy, I believe he's only 20 years old right now. Uh, then at the five, you have Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel. And I'll talk a minute. One of the guys I had noted, and I didn't bring him up when we were talking about guys that impressed us. Noel, I thought, actually had a really nice season. And he's heading into a free agent year for him. So I'm interested to see what kind of deal he gets. I mean, he was a top pick. People had high expectations for him. And he definitely hasn't lived up to that high billing that he was expected to have coming out of college but I think he at least proved that he's very strong defensively he's only 26 years old he can be a strong role player for a team and that's really the first time we've seen that from him in his, his career so I think yeah. he at least proved that he belongs on an NBA roster and he played some important minutes for them off of the bench behind Steven Adams so um, that's going to be kind of interesting to monitor any notes you want to make on this, or you want to just roll into some of their free agents since I've already mentioned it? Yeah, you might. You, we, can, we can roll into the free agents. There's a lot of in, a lot, a couple interesting points here. Yep. So I'll go over some of the lesser names first here. Mike Muscala was a guy that was coming off the bench for him. Um, he has a player option for. 2.2 million some of those other role players that i mentioned abdel nader diallo uh, deontay burton all have uh team options for 1.6 to 1.7 million dollars so smaller role deals there and then the few interesting names gallinari is a free agent narylands noel is a free agent andre robertson also a free agent and they have his bird rights currently and then Caveman always makes me say the two-way contract guys at the end of the bench. And for this, for the Thunder, I have Kevin Hervey and Devin Hall as their two-way contracts that will be there free agents. So uh, what do you think about this free agent class for them, and do you think they're going to retain any of these guys? Uh, yeah, thank you for mentioning the two uh, two-way two guys. Those are always very important guys. I mean, you look at it. Uh, all the all the lesser names, you know, kind of, cause cause those options are cheap. They might pick a couple of those up just to 
if anything, kind of as like fillers. But uh, obviously, the big name to watch here is Gallinari. I mean, do they? I mean, I think it's gonna. I think this comes down to and. The it's the odds are probably working against it, but I think it comes down to what do the Thunder see going forward? Like if if they're truly going into a rebuild, like the signs have the signs have suggested, uh, does it make sense to pay Gallinari in the neighborhood of twenty million that he's probably going to command on the open market? Doesn't really make. I mean, they can afford it. Uh, but doesn't make sense for them to, if that's the route they're going, to spend $20 million on a guy like Gallinari. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, I personally, I think, I, I personally what, don't want to see them in a rebuild. I think this year is something they can build off of, but I don't see, I don't think that's the direction they're going in. I mean, there's an, I, and you brought up that Andre Robeson, I forgot he was still on the team. <laughs> yeah. like, to be honest with you, like he's been I feel like he's been around forever. Like he I think he was around in the like, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook uh days in OKC. Like Yeah, and he's only twenty eight though. I was surprised. He's I only he twenty eight. That 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 that's surprising. Like I'm pretty sure he was around when both Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were in OKC. Like I could, I could have swore he was around at that time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, either way, he's a he's a really solid defender, so I could see them. You know, he, I don't think he's a guy that's really gonna command much in uh, free agency, so they could bring him back if they want to. Uh, Nerlens Noel, the guy you mentioned, that's gonna be an interesting name. They Stephen Adams, I believe, only has. One more season left on that contract. Yep. So, I think, uh, and Noel isn't, no, I mean, Noel's only 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So, he still can be valuable for them. So, I could see, I think, I would I would love to see them be able to retain him. And, you know, possibly, I don't think there would be a, a big market for him, but if they could try to find a way to, to trade Steven Adams, but I don't see, I, I don't really see that uh, happening with that contract. I mean, he's making, Steven Adams is making $27 million next season, which is yeah, just, crazy. So, and you think he sucks, so. I don't think he sucks. He just doesn't <laughs> deserve that contract. So something interesting, I'm looking at their salary cap for the next few years we mentioned the free agents for this year. When you look to 21-22, so the season after, fun fact, they do not, as of right now, have one guaranteed contract. The guys that they have right now, Chris Paul, player option, and they have some team options as well. But nobody has a guaranteed contract as of right now for the season after. So if they want to rebuild, this is kind of the time to do it. Everybody's coming off the books here, so... You know, I, I don't agree with their approach, and you kind of mentioned I mean, this is a team that was the five seed. I don't think you need to hit reset. I think you can retool this team 
And this is a really deep free agent class. Maybe not a lot of superstars, but a lot of great veterans and some young guys with upside. So, I mean, I would, and they have enough salary cap where they could sign several guys at $15 million or so, or even $20 million, and they can afford Gallinari even. But, uh, I mean, based on the rumors and the reports with Billy Donovan leaving, it seems like that's why he left. I don't think they wanted Billy Donovan to go. I think that they said, hey, this is the direction we're going in. And Billy Donovan wants to win a championship. And I believe he's a championship coach. Oh, yeah? You think he wants to win a championship? See, he's already what? Yeah. Right? Yeah, he went to the Bulls, though. So that's true. That's you That sure was the most confusing part. That was so confusing to me. I was feel that like they had to have thrown just absurd amount of money on yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. Is everybody had that report, and then he went to the Bulls, so that was kind of surprising. So I I don't know what to make of that, honestly. Maybe he had some conflicts with management, but I personally don't think that they need to completely rebuild. If they are rebuilding, they need to get rid of Chris Paul's contract somehow. I don't care what it takes for them to do that, even if they get a second-round pick out of him. And realistically, with how he played, I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to want to pay him $41 million this year, and then his player option the year after is $44 million. So, I mean, that's rough, so they might have to just ride that contract out. But I don't know if Chris Paul, he probably wouldn't be. I don't know if he wants to win a championship at this point in his career. If he wanted to restructure that deal to go to a contender, that's a possibility, but that man probably wants to make that money. So I, I doubt I, that. That's I happen. generally think I generally think he liked it in OKC last year. Yeah. But at this point in his career, like and based on the landscape of the NBA, don't know if there's really a situation you could see where a team would, a contending team would trade for Chris Paul. So I think that he's he's at the point in his career, you know. He can make a crap ton of money, help de- help develop a guy like Shy in the process, and just and just end his uh, career that way. Yeah. So one thing with I was thinking about the coaching changes. I'm just curious if teams are try or head coaches are trying to leave the Western Conference at this point because it's so stacked. I mean, the reality is you do have a better chance to win a championship in the East, even though it is the Bulls. I mean, they have some interesting prospects. So, I mean, I wonder, because we even saw that Doc Rivers now going over to the Eastern Conference. It seems like some of these head coaches think they have a better chance there, potentially. And then I do want to talk about Gallinari for a minute. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but he is 32, and I didn't think he was that old. I thought he was in his late 20s, but he turned 32 years old. So if this is a team that's rebuilding, it makes no sense to sign him to a four-year, $80 million deal. I mean, they have the space to do that. They have all the ability in the world to do that. But if they're truly rebuilding, I don't think that deal makes a lot of sense. And I think what they do with him will kind of show you what direction they're trying to go. And if they do sign him, you'll say, okay, you know, they're trying to make some moves to win now. But if they just let him sign somewhere else, then they're probably going to be in full rebuild mode. They're going to let Schroeder, Adams, all these guys come off the books after this season and really hit reset here. But So that's really... Well, uh, I, can see, I can see them with all those non-guaranteed deals coming up. I think you, this is, you'll probably see... Shy extended at some point. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah.
Yep, and he'll be making big time money. He'll replace Stephen Adams' salary, I guess. <laughs> that, no, they're gonna, probably they, what they're going to do is they're going to resign Stephen Adams next year. Gosh. I mean, which is fine, just not for $27.5 million. I still, that deal is just, I mean, I'm flabbergasted that that man's making that much money, but good for him, I guess. He's getting paid. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about their offseason needs. I mean, this is kind of an interesting topic of conversation for me because I think it depends what they do. They they have a lot of needs, honestly, when you look at it. And it's surprising to say for a team that just was the five seed in the West. But, I mean, that's a reality. I think they could use a nice wing player as much as I think Dort showed some ability as a defender. I mean, they still need to upgrade there. They're going to need a long-term answer at point guard if they want to start developing somebody there. That's probably not a top priority, but that's kind of in the background. Um, if Gallinari's leaving, they're going to need to replace him at the four. And I mentioned earlier when we first started that they were really strong defensively, but they're one of those teams. They don't have a lot of offensive firepower. I think that's what they need to focus on is adding some young upside and some offensive firepower and as much as i love defense you gotta score and that's what it came down to with the rockets is they just couldn't outscore them you know they played some solid defensive games but it's hard to win a seven game series when your offense isn't strong i mean that's just the reality in today's nba so i think that needs to be a focus for them but i'll let you talk about some specifics i feel like i always take guys that you want to talk about so i'll (laughs) let you talk about some specific players uh uh before we get to really the players players offseason need we have to talk about their head coaching vacancy at this point uh i mean to me that's the number one they need to figure out I think the direction that they want to go is probably going to dictate what kind of head coach they're going to go. They're going to get. I mean, I'm looking at thinking about it. I mean, I honestly think if uh, if they're rebuilding and they're just kind of starting out again, this is a name that's been I've thrown around every single head coaching opening, but a per a person like Becky Hammond, I think. And especially what they what I think they should do is with a leader like Chris Paul in the locker room around for the next year or two, hire Becky Hammond. Chris Paul is the type of is the type of player that will get the people in the locker room to respect uh Becky Hammond. Chris Paul's that kind of guy. So you get Becky Hammond. You don't really have to worry about, and we know the reality of the female head coach. We've talked about that several times. But you being a, this is a perfect situation for a first-time head coach like Becky Hammond to come into. If they're rebuilding, it's a rebuild. You know, there's not really any pressure on her off the bat. She kind of can get her feet wet with most of the players, essentially. Uh, and she impressed, and uh, your GM, Sam Presti, also has ties with San Antonio, so that's a, no, that's a, that's a key thing to keep in mind there. I mean, I mean, not, it, it really depends on what direction they want to go. I mean, if they're looking, if they're not looking to rebuild, 
and they're looking to win now. I mean, we, have to, we always throw around this name too, like a Tyron Lou. I mean, but that, but Tyron Lou is pretty much only if they're trying to go forward and win. Yeah. Like he's not a rebuilding head coach. Uh, so if they're trying, if they're if they're serious about wanting to win, I think you could see a guy like. Tyron would not be in a bad fit. What are you? Uh, what are your thoughts on their uh, head coach opening? So one of the things I, one of the just to kind of expand upon the Becky Hammond point a little bit. One of the reasons I think if she went to the Thunder, it would be absolutely ideal. You have to remember, Chris Paul is the president of the Players Association. So if he, the p- president of the Players Association, can buy into a woman head coach. I mean, that's huge for the landscape of the NBA and just being progressive. And I think the NBA wants to be a league that is progressive. So to have the president of the Players Association back a hire like that, I think would be huge just for the league as a whole. And I mean, we've talked about Becky Hammond and it's no disrespect to her because she deserves to be a head coach. And I mean, she's worked for arguably the greatest head coach of all time. She's been a great assistant. She deserves to be a head coach, but there's going to be players, whether they want to come out and talk about it or not, that will have trouble respecting her. And uh, But if you can get the president of the Players Association behind her, I think that's really key. And so I think it could be an absolutely perfect fit. We'll see if it happens. It seems like at this point, it's not if Becky Hammond's going to get a head coaching job. It's just when at this point and who's the right situation. And this could be a perfect opportunity for her. Other names I'll throw in there. Adrian Griffin's been an assistant coach for a few years. He's been really respected as a developmental coach. He's mm-hmm. the kind of guy I could see them bringing in to develop them over the next few years and then dumping him when they're ready to win. Yeah. That sounds terrible, but we're realistically looking at a coach here that's probably going to take them through the rebuild, and then they might dump him off. I mean, I'm thinking like a Mark Jackson. Not that he should take this job, but you know, it seemed like he kind of missed out on a bulk of the Warriors' success. So I feel like that's what this job's going to be. Another guy that I've seen thrown around quite a bit, he has some Spurs ties with Sam Presti, is Brett Brown, the former 76ers head coach. And you hey, saw him trust the process in Philly. Yep, exactly. So I think that's an interesting name, too. If they hire Brett Brown, all the Thunder fans, if there's any out there, they're going to start rolling their eyes because that means you're in a full rebuild. That, mode. Means, that means the process has came to Oklahoma City. <laughs> But him and Sam Presti have a lot of connections. I wouldn't be surprised if they went that direction. You know, and you've mentioned all I've seen Kenny Atkinson, who's been connected to a lot of the head coaching jobs. But I agree that whoever they hire here is probably a signal of what direction they're going. And, you know, if they I haven't seen like Mike D'Antoni connected to them. But if they hired a guy like that, that would mean they're trying to be a mediocre playoff team for the rest of eternity. Like what? I mean, I'm. What do you what do you what do you, what do you post like? No. And now, I, I think is this the new we're ta- we're talking nice about the Thunder, so we have to find a way to trash somebody else while we're talking about the Thunder. Yes. So, so let's just so Mike D'Antoni is the subject is the subject of our of our of our wrath. But yeah, he doesn't really he doesn't really make a lot of he doesn't really make a lot of sense anywhere to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think so either. All right, let's talk about some of their other off-season needs. I mentioned a few that I thought that they needed to address. Who, what positions do you think they need to address, and what players do you think they can go after? 
Okay, yeah, I mean, you hit on a lot of them. I mean, I, I, seven ahead coaching, Vegas, they need kind of, I think they're, they just need to decide what, what are they going to, what are they doing? What is their direction going forward? And that kind of dictates, I mean, if they're trying to rebuild, they need to get rid of Chris Paul. They need to get rid of Steven Adams, get those contracts off the books if they're trying to rebuild. If they're not trying to rebuild, I mean, I still, I if they're still trying to be competitive and win, I think you want to try to re-sign Gallinari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no offense to Dortz, but he's more of a defensive guy. And they just need more offensive firepower. So that's kind of, if they're trying to win. So I think going, for, going uh, looking ahead to the possible free agent draft targets for them. I mean, again, these also depend on what they're, what are they trying to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy and they, and they're in a good situation. I know you always kind of break down, uh, the, the, their salary cap situation that they're in, but I'm pretty sure they have some decent salary cap space. Not even with, uh, the guys they have on the books right now. So, yeah. uh, do you have their exact, uh, cap situation. Yeah, the at, for twenty twenty one, they are currently at one hundred and seven million dollars. So, I mean, they could probably afford to spend another thirty to forty million on the books this year. And with really nobody on the books beyond that, they can sign some guys to long term deals. So they have a quite a bit of flexibility. Yeah. Uh. So I think going for I think a guy like uh, guy like Joe Harris. I mean, you put, I mean, you talk about the the need for them to get more offensive firepower. There might not be a better offensive weapon in this realist, uh, realistic offensive weapon in this free agent class other than Joe Harris. I mean, we all know how great of a three-point sh- uh, shooter and kind of underrated defender uh, he was this season. So I think him... Uh, you, I think you, you sign him and you keep Paul and have Paul shy and then, uh, Joe Harris there, Joe Harris at the three. I mean, you got, I mean, you got offense and defense at those, uh, positions. I mean, another guy, uh, and I feel like this is a guy I bring up a lot, uh, a guy like Derek Jones. I mean... He's kind of he's kind of a better version of of Dort, but uh, I just think uh, I, I I feel he's a he's a solid upgrade over the their current uh, uh, situation at the wing spots. Uh, then I mean I mean they don't I mean they have they're they're picking kind of near the bottom of the uh first round this year for their draft pick i'm kind i'm kind of uh offhand or exactly remember their pick they have this year 25 25 so i knew it was near the end of the first round i think they're in a situation interesting situation with their draft pick i think what this what the situation they're in especially if they decide to go rebuild they can kind of take a chance on a guy especially at that range I think a guy like uh, Jaden McDaniels, mm-hmm. 
I think he's a guy. He's he's one of the more he's one of the more like high risk, high reward guys in this draft. And I think you can kind of say that about a lot of guys in this draft are kind of high risk, high reward. But I think him more so than other guy. He's a very athletic two way wing who I think, uh, if it pans out, would be a great fit for them uh, long term. Yeah, and I think that if I was them in free agency, I would be focusing, no matter what, even if they're not completely rebuilding, this is a very young team. Their average age is only 25 right now. So I do think that they're going to, yeah, if I was them, I would target younger free agents. Some of the names that I had in there, I had Derek Jones as well. I think, uh, I'm assuming they're not going to sign Gallinari, so I think a guy like Christian Wood could make sense. He's a younger guy with a lot of upside. They could afford the to pay him. Don't want to, don't want to resign for some... That's what I've read, and that's surprising. Well, that, does, that doesn't make any sense. He's got a lot of upside, so he's a young guy. So, uh, another guy I had listed was Dario Saric, who was kind of buried in Phoenix a little bit until the bubble. He had a really nice bubble run but he has a little bit of upside. He's still only 26 as well, so I think that would be an interesting fit for him. He's taller, but he can play anywhere from the three to five. He was kind of moving everywhere, so he offers a little bit of versatility. So uh, I had Derek Jones and a few of the other guys you mentioned as well. Derek Jones is only 23, so once again, I think they need, even if they're not signing big names i think they need to focus on young guys because this is a young team and realistically they're going to be developing in the draft i had Jaden mcdaniels as well um i wouldn't be surprised there's a lot of kind of unknown foreign players coming into this draft that are projected to go at the back half of the first round or early second i could see them going in that direction taking a developmental prospect that we might not see for a few years and letting them develop in the G League and seeing where that goes. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know all about those foreign players. I know <laughs> about the top guys, but a lot of these guys are question marks. You can't even really find film on them. So I, you know, I couldn't even watch it if I wanted to, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went in that direction. I agree they need to go with a high uh, risky pick, you know, a guy with high upside, but he could also be a bust. We've mentioned R.J. Hampton a few times. I don't think he necessarily fits in with how they're constructed. He's played more of the guard spot, but he's 6'6", so he could play the three theoretically if they wanted to move him off the ball. But we've mentioned him as a really risky pick with some high upside. Um, Jaden McDaniels I had. Jamis Ramsey, who's been going in the back half of the first round. He has a lot of offensive ability not really known as a strong defender, but, you know, that might be a direction they go in. What about your boy Josh Green? I thought you'd say Josh Green there, hey, but... Man. I mean, I, I hope to God he's not... He's still not on the board at this pick. I mean... He could be, though. I mean, I don't know, like... Has something happened? Like, you look not at a guy I like... Know, I mean, I think the latest mock I saw had... Milwaukee taking him. Now, that would... I mean, I've met... I, I mean, I would love. I mean, that would be that'd be a that'd be a dream for me. My favorite player going to my favorite team, but I mean, of course, if they if Josh Green slides that far, I mean, yeah, he would he would be a great he'd be a great fit for uh, OKC. But I don't. 
he's a guy where I hope to God he's not still there because that would be a that would be a crime. Yeah, no, it definitely would be. Uh, I think we'll move on to where we see them finishing in the future, and I don't think this is going to take that long because we've kind of mentioned it a few times. But this is it could go one of two ways. I mean, we could be looking at them if they have a similarly constructed roster, making the playoffs again, being a five, six, seven, eight seed in the Western Conference. Or if they rebuild, they may have the number one overall pick next year. I mean, that's the reality of the range of outcomes for this team. It really depends. I'm never a fan of a full rebuild, personally. And I mean, even people that have played fantasy football with me for a long time know that about me. I just, I believe in retooling and not rebuilding. And just because we've seen a team like the 76 or very few complete rebuilds ever end in a championship. They have some elements of a really strong team. Why not just add to what you have? And I'm not saying let's sign a guy like Joe Harris to a 10-year deal and commit a lot of money, but you know, make a move like that and try to put yourself in contention. But at the same time, I understand it because they're most likely not going to win a championship unless they pulled in a big superstar somehow, which is looking more and more unlikely by the day especially with their head coaching spot open right now. But I I would just retool if I was them personally. But I think I have a feeling a full rebuild is on its way. Yeah, unfortunately. I just quickly looked at the latest mock draft. And as, as you might have predicted, they have them taking some dude I never heard of from Spain. So Yeah, that's I wouldn't be surprised. And, and they have the Bucks taking Ramsey one pick before them. So, yeah, he's he's an interesting name. So that so that so that answers that. But as far as next year goes, I mean, if they're, I mean, it feels like we 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 just been disrespecting them all the this whole this whole time. Uh, if yeah. if they are not, if they aren't going into a rebuild and they're still trying to compete, based on what they did this year, there's no you you can't. At some point, you gotta put some respect on their name. I mean, I, I, I think, I think you could see them, you could see them as a playoff team next year if, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're trying to win. Now, obviously, if they're trying to rebuild and, and they don't have guys like Chris Paul or uh, Steven Adams on the team, then you're gonna see probably one of the worst teams in the Western Conference just based on the youth and inexperience that they'll have on their team. But it all depends. They could they could be uh they could be a five five the eight seed or they can be like a twelve the fourteen seed. So yeah. it, it really it it's dramatic based on the way that uh they want to go, which is very puzzling as to why the why their management would wanted would want to do a rebuild at this point when they have when they have a team like let's let's be honest, they're not nobody in the West is going to compete with the Lakers for the next couple seasons. Uh, that's basically like I know you can't that's harsh. It's I mean it's harsh, but you can't I mean. You can't, you can't, you can't have that mindset if you're another team, though. Like, okay, we're not going to be able to take down a team like the Lakers, so we're not even going to, you know, try to, 
you know, compete, you know? Yeah. I think that, I mean, not saying that's what the, th- the Thunder are doing here, but that's the kind of sense that it would give me if they're trying to rebuild. Because yeah. they have a team, if they keep these core group of guys together, if they lose Gallinari, they'll probably replace him with someone else similar to him because they'll have, a, they'll have the money. So yeah. going forward next year, like if they have the same core group, there's no reason to think they can't, be a playoff team next year. So why 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 would you why would you mess that up? Yeah, and I like that. We're gonna end on a positive note here with the Thunder. Yep. That there's hope for them and they really control their note. own Yeah. And I mean I mentioned it when they got eliminated. I mean we poke fun at them. I'm only half joking when I say that. Mm-hmm. I mean it just they were so surprising this year. Nobody predicted them to be a playoff team. And I said it before it was just a testament to how this team was built. Just a gritty defensive team with great coaching, which, you know, it just holds true for me personally that if you have that style of play, you're at least a playoff team. Maybe you're not going to win a championship if you don't have some offensive firepower. But it was an impressive season overall. And I think it was just so surprising that it's still hard to believe, you know, sitting here that when you look at this roster, it's just it's so underwhelming. But they have tough defenders. It's true, though. But (laughs) it's true, you know, and it sounds like hate, but it's also respect that you can win with that roster in the Western Conference. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they do in the future. I uh, They're one of the more intriguing teams to me because a lot of these teams, we kind of know, okay, the Lakers are obviously going to be in the playoffs. And a lot of these teams, we know the direction they're going and we can clearly tell if they're rebuilding or if they're trying to win. And this is one of the only teams where I honestly couldn't tell you at this point. You know, all of it's just speculation and it could go either way. So I think it'll be fun to monitor and just see where this goes this offseason because, I mean, we could be looking at a very similar team next year or we could be looking at a whole new starting five with the exception of Shy potentially. Uh, you know, they could really be that extreme if they were able to move on from some of these contracts. So I think that's all I have. Any other points you want to bring up before we end up? Uh, nope. All right. We got it. Yep, I think we covered a lot of stuff today. This is going to end up being one of our longest episodes, which I definitely did not anticipate, but a lot of good content today. We appreciate everybody who is listening. Make sure you check out all of our content on the Fantasy Mafia's YouTube page. We have been posting all of our content to uh, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts as well if you prefer the audio version so you can listen on there. Make sure you subscribe so you get a notification anytime we put up our content. We put up NBA and NFL content. Haven't put up quite as much MLB content recently, but we have lots of plans for this offseason heading into next year. So keep an eye out on that. As always, make sure you like our Facebook page, The Fantasy Mafia. And make sure you join the group on Facebook, the Fantasy Hotspot, where you can converse with your fellow sports fans. So we appreciate the support, and we will see you guys for our next episode, which is going to be a fun one with the Houston Rockets. Yep.